0: If I had a radio broadcast, I would have it start every evening with that music, and I say, hello, this is Pastor Randy, and it's night. <laughs> I love that, that music. It's a great um, intro for me. Now I've got to do something to improve it. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Uh, we're in this series that we're calling Night, and I, I kind of introduced it last week by saying that there are seasons in life where... We don't know that God is trying to get our attention. We kind of think that something's going on. We don't have clarity that we'd like to have. We don't have the certainty. We, we kind of sense we're being pushed toward a fork in the road to make some decisions. We may even sense these could be big, but we just lack the clarity that we'd like to have. So I want to take you on a bit of a personal journey to kind of get us thinking about today's message. Um, perhaps you can look back now you, you didn't understand it when it was happening but you can look back now and you can see there was a time in my life looking back when I now know God was actually trying to get my attention now, now when it was going on I didn't really know what was happening you know it was unclear to me it was uncertain but now I have some space between it I look back it's easier to see things sometimes looking back that old thing hindsight is 2020 I can look back and I can see God was trying to get my attention at that time but I but I didn't understand it I didn't know that that's what was happening you may even think back that there was more than one occasion maybe you look back now and you say oh yeah i I see he was trying to get my attention that time. And then three months later, he tried again. And then, and then I kept kind of being, you know, sort of not that interested. And, and two years later, he tried to get my attention again. Maybe you can kind of piece together some kind of a experience like that. And then let me add one other piece. And maybe you can even now say, you know, there was this key person, a key catalyst. There may be a couple or maybe a few people but even though I didn't know at the time that God was trying to get my attention these people came along and and they helped me see that it was actually God trying to personally get my attention now I'm just curious how many can identify with with some experience like that can I just see your hands real quick that's interesting it was the same way in the first service uh, the vast majority of people now The interesting thing is, is we can look back and see God was trying to get our attention. But when it was going on, in many cases, we we didn't know that. It it was a time of introduction. It was a time when God was seeking to get our attention and wanted to introduce himself, his ways, his will, his word to us in a very intensely personal way. And for some of us, that began the start of a journey where now our life, instead of being lived from, from our thoughts, from from our ideas about life based on our desires and our willing ways we started making this journey through life united with Christ united with the word of God united with the will of God every decision we faced every situation we were in we thought united with Christ God what what is your thoughts on this what is your will what what do you say to me what do you say to this situation it was a time of demarcation and change in our life. We we were introduced in an intensely personal way to God, but then it it became part of our identification. And maybe from that point on, you openly started to identify with God. You openly started to let people know. I don't know who you're following. I don't know how you live, but but I'm I'm a Christ follower. I've put my trust in Christ. I live my life the way God has revealed that human life was meant to be lived, as He's revealed it in His Word. I am one that has submitted myself to learn to live the way God himself lives and to love the way God himself loves that's who I am that's my identification and maybe from that point on your life has changed dramatically and continues continues to change as you identify yourself more and more openly with people in various locations and circumstances in your life that you belong to Christ so we're going to look at a circumstance in an individual's life where he was going through a night it was nighttime when God sought to get his attention and he's a very famous person in scripture but I'll just kind of let the scripture introduce him we're going to look at the night of introduction and identification which I've kind of talked already talked about that let me go right on the text first Samuel chapter 3 I will say this before I get into the text how many of you have ever been here when we've done a child dedication can I see your hands Okay, and this is where we get these child dedications from. This particular individual, his name is Samuel in Scripture. He's the last of the judges, he's the, the 15th judge. He's um, a key prophet in Scripture. He anoints the first king of Israel, King Saul, and the second king, the best, King David. He, he's a prominent character in Scripture, but he started out as a non existent, as we all do, non existent. But his mother had a she couldn't have children and she would go to the tabernacle this was prior to building the temple they had this tabernacle, I'll show you a picture of it in a minute where the presence of God was manifested she would go there once a year and she would pray and beg God to give her the ability to have a son and then she promised that if God would give her a son she would dedicate the son back to God well God answers her prayer the son's name is Samuel and she indeed does dedicate him back to God by the time the child was weaned who knows what that is you know two years old i I don't know um, she sends samuel her young son to live to live under eli who was the leader over the tabernacle of god at that time and eli brings this boy up she would go and visit him once a year bring him some you know new little outfits to wear a new little robe it says in scripture but pretty much he was brought up at the tabernacle of god by eli so Let's get into the text now. The boy Samuel, now we don't know his age. Jewish records say that he was 12 years old at the time. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say he could have been younger, could have been a little older, but but 12 is, is certainly possible. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see... Was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the house. Let's go on. The house, excuse me, the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he laid down. Again, the Lord, notice it's the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, and he went to who? the Eli, and said, here am I. You called me. My son, Eli said, I, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel, get this. Now, Samuel did not yet know, what does it say? The Lord. Pause. He's been living at the very tabernacle of God, where the presence of God was, where the scrolls, the Word of God was. He, he was as close to God with physical proximity and even mental interaction with, with God and His Word that he could possibly be. There's no doubt in my mind that Samuel knew far more facts about God, facts about God's Word, facts about God's will than probably most Israelites, even though he was just a boy. He was in the presence of God, sort of, But it says he didn't know the Lord yet. You can, I can, we can be in the presence of God in places like this. We can grow up in the church. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, well, I've always been in the church, but that doesn't mean that I know the Lord. Just being in the church, just knowing all the right answers about what the Bible says about A, B, C, D, E, it doesn't mean that a person knows the Lord. The the term know the Lord, it's, it's used of an intimate relationship with God that is based on our trust in Him. It means that I once was calling the shots in my life, doing things my way, but I came to trust in Christ, my Creator, and now I follow Him. And I follow Him because I trust Him more than I trust myself. And so now there's this union. I live my life from Christ. I think in terms of what is his will what does he say and and that's a that's a huge difference it's intensely personal so it would be a good a good thing a good exercise for some of us to think about this if if we identify ourselves as Christians as followers of Christ are we sure there's been a time where we had this intense connection this intense encounter with God Because you can be in proximity with God You can be around his word You can be around his will You can be close And still not actually have a trusting union with him Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him This doesn't mean that he didn't read the Bible It doesn't mean that the word was not exposed to him It just means that God, the God of the word Had not interacted, had not encountered Samuel to this point Verse 9, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went, and he lay down in his place. The Lord came, and notice the word, what is it? He stood, the Lord came and stood, he stood there calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel then samuel said speak for your servant is listening the lord was with samuel as he grew up and he let none of samuel's words fall to the ground and all israel from dan to beersheba recognized that samuel was attested as a prophet to the lord now i left out a big gap of scripture in between verses 10 and 19 that i'll i'll fill in for you the lord Tells Samuel that he's going to remove Eli and Eli's sons From being the primary caretakers of the tabernacle uh, You can read the text on your own They were involved in some immorality And some improper handling of the offerings and things like that And so God allows the Philistines in a battle To kill Eli and, wait, well, kills Eli, uh, his, Eli's sons And Eli dies when he gets the news He's 98 years old when it happens But I want you to think about Remember when I started out I said, did you experience a time in your life where maybe god was trying to get your attention but at the time you didn't know that it was god but you look back now and you can see that he was trying to get your attention and i said and maybe there was even someone in your life at that point or a couple someones or a few someones and they helped you to become aware i think god's trying to get your attention that's the role that eli played the lord was calling samuel but samuel wasn't aware of it he didn't know even though he was in the proximity of God the very closest proximity he still didn't have a relationship with God and he needed some coaching he needed somebody to direct him and maybe we can think back of those key people in our lives now this this place where they were at I just want to give you a brief picture I can't get into a big description but they were at the tabernacle the temple had not yet been built you got to understand it's about 350 years after the Israelites had left Egypt and they had taken the promised land in about seven and a half years under joshua then they had that weird era of the judges about 350 year period where they had these 15 judges judges were kind of like spiritual leaders and military leaders combined and you come up to this time but the the temple had not yet been built but back in exodus chapter 25 uh, and then in exodus 36 through 40 it's carried out you have very specific instructions given to moses to build this thing called the tabernacle now it's, it's very elaborate there, there's lots of symbolic things going on there but I'm going to try to break it down and say this the tabernacle represented that God was present with his people and it also through its symbols it showed that the barriers that existed between humans and God there were certain things that had to occur to remove those barriers we have fear of God we have suspicion of God we don't trust him we're not sure that he cares about our happiness we have guilt on top of it we have shame on top of it So God had to do some things, and all those symbols, including the sacrifices, were that God would have to sacrifice himself to remove our fear, our suspicion, our guilt, our shame, and so forth. So all that's symbolized in the tabernacle. I can't go into the whole thing now. There's a lot more than that. But here's a picture to give you some sense. This is what it would have looked like. It's about 75 feet across. It's about 150 foot that way. This major part of it, it's 45 foot this way. It's 15 across, 15 foot high it was divided up in this little part back here 15 by 15 it's was what was called the holy of holies where the very presence of god dwelt by the ark of the covenant only the high priest could go in there once a year with with a blood offering can't get into too much about what that means now but this gives you some sense of what we're talking about now to give you a, the proximity factor if i could just go to that next slide um the Israelites when they were moving through the wilderness they would camp around the tabernacle like this when we come to the book of Samuel though it says that they were in a house it could have been a tent it could have been just close in proximity so Samuel as a little boy is living with Eli uh, the priest at the tabernacle all right now let's get more into our experiential point that I'm trying to get at let's think about our initial introduction to the Lord um how were we what was going on when we were introduced to the Lord how did God get our attention how did we first encounter that God wanted to personally converse personally interact with us and, and I want to say something I, I, I meet with some people sometimes and they, they have kind of a wall a kind of a mental wall and I don't understand exactly how it gets built but the wall is kind of that that Christianity is sort of this organizational Philosophical, moral Way of living, they, they kind of look at What the Bible teaches and they say yeah I, I Believe what the Bible teaches and I believe That God exists and I believe that you know We should live right and, and, and it's kind Of this system and they they Never seem to get That, that God loves us Intensely, I, I'm just curious Has anybody in here, I, I mean it Sincerely, has anybody in here had Somebody that literally died for you they literally threw themselves in front of an oncoming car or something but they died for you has anybody ever had somebody die for them i have not and i don't see any hands in here would it be personal do you think you'd remember it do you think it it would be something you would never get out of your mind if somebody you an oncoming car let's say and they threw themselves in front of it and pushed you back do you think you would remember that for the rest of your life can i just see your hands it would be etched in our minds forever the creator of the universe in Christ came and went to a cross to scream at us there is nothing to fear your sins are forgiven I love you I want you I'm for you I just need you to be willing to trust me I can't help you I can't rescue you I can't give you the life that I created you to have unless you're willing to trust me and follow me it's intensely personal and so it was with Samuel. Now I had a uh, experience just this week. It was really fascinating. There is a couple in our church. I guess I've known them for about 15 years. They're highly committed Christian people, and they have uh, two boys. And the one boy, I believe, I believe he just recently turned 12. So get you. This is a family that they are really strict about, you know, Bible study as a family. You know, their boys. You know they they are, they are I'm going to just use the word made to do devotions and things like that and uh, it's a real serious thing and so even though these kids these boys and the one in particular the 12 year old he has been raised in the presence of God he's been brought to church he's taught the Bible his mom and dad they live out the godly life in front of these kids even though that was his case he had not yet like Samuel he had not really encountered God in a personal way according to to himself it doesn't mean that he that he hadn't you know sensed the presence of God in his word or anything like that but but that that junction where he says you know in a world where everybody's following somebody I'm following Jesus from now on that that intensely personal decision so the boy made that decision in the past couple weeks now here's the wild thing the trigger the place where he heard the Lord calling him just like the Lord was saying Samuel 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 didn't know you know who it was until Eli says hey go back and say your servants your servants listening this is the verse if I could just get that this is the verse that the Lord spoke to the boy through and we all of course our Bible says flop open automatically to the book of Nahum right how many of you, you <laughs> Nahum man I got it down I know Nahum the book of Nahum in the Old Testament the Lord is good a strong refuge when trouble comes he is close to those who what trust him see the Bible is consistent from Old Testament and New Testament God waits for us to trust him so this young boy hears the voice of the Lord through that verse and makes his decision to put his trust in Christ and become his follower now his parents his parents are not like a lot of parents a lot of parents you guys bear with me some of you are going to get mad at me when I'm, when I'm about to say but some parents like when, when it's a baptismal service they're like, oh, oh, little Johnny, little Johnny, don't you want to go to heaven and see great-grandmom and great-granddad? You need to be baptized. Well, you don't need to be baptized to go to heaven. But, you know, they most parents they, they push, 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 push their kids before sometimes their kids are really aware and accountable. This family's just the opposite. They, like, drilled their kid. Are you ready to suffer for Jesus? <laughs> are you ready to be obedient to whatever he says? They're like you gotta, you got to make sure that you really trust. But they were doing the right thing. And so this young lad, whose name I will not give, I'm going to keep my eye on him because like Samuel, I suspect the Lord's going to do great things in his life and through his life. Now, once again, Samuel had the advantage of having a godly mom, Hannah. This little fellow that I'm talking about had the advantage of having two Godly parents that dedicated him in an early age But then also they followed through The dedication of a child It's really the dedication of the parent To raise the child in the presence And in the teaching and the truth of God And and these parents did that Alright but nevertheless Even though this kid was exposed to God For years and years It wasn't until 12 that it clicked Samuel might have been 12 as well So what I want us to think about now Is when we had our the best that we can tell, our first intensely personal encounter with God. And we want to think very carefully, very carefully about this aspect of it. What was our attitude like when we sort of had that sense that God was speaking to us? People are very different in their, their reaction to god's word and when god's speaking every time you hear god's word frankly god's speaking the only difference is sometimes we're not on the right station we're, we're not tuned in uh, for, for example if we come into a place like this where god's word is being given but we come in in a very subjective state which is which is kind of hard not to be but when i say very subjective i mean like this some people come in and they're like all week long they've been struggling with a certain problem so they come in and they're just waiting for one word they, they want to hear like and the lord said go thou and do likewise and, and they're just waiting for some obscure word because they want to make a decision of some sort and they're just looking for anything that sounds even near to affirm what they already want to do or want to hear if you and i come in subjective and saying i'm only listening for one thing well god he can't speak to us i i have to i have to be like samuel and say your servant lord is listening so i want to ask you very personally right now can God speak to you this morning about anything at all in your life are you open to hearing whatever God wants to say are you open to hearing God ask you to do whatever he wants you to do or are there areas of your life that are cordoned off you say you know God, you can speak to me about this but, but don't speak to me about my job don't speak to me about my career you can speak to me about you know maybe what my friendships are but, but don't speak to me about A, B, C, D you know my, my finances whatever is there any area that God can't speak to you and do you hear God speaking to you directly because he is if we have ears to hear let me ask you to do something silly that I did in the first service the Lord says Samuel Samuel and then he finally responds. Whatever your name is, I'm going to give you a demonstration so we don't get too confused. It is going to be a little chaotic. Whatever your name is, though, I want you to, to bear with me. I want you to whisper your name twice. So for me, it would be like Randy, Randy. Go ahead, whisper your name twice. That's what he heard then but God has not changed any he's he's doing it now he's whispering he got your attention right now and he's saying whatever name you just said will you hear me? will you listen? I love you I know what's best I want what's best you just have to give me your attention you have to trust me you've got to let me speak into your life in every single area or my hands are tied can't help you I, I hope that that's the case if it weren't before this message started I hope perhaps it is now so let's look at how critical it is about our response to the word of God our attitude toward the word of God Samuel had a welcoming uh, w- wanting a desirous attitude toward the word of God once Eli coached him he said sure I'll go back I'll do it Lord your, your servant is listening in First Thessalonians it says we also thank God constantly for this that when you accepted God's word Paul the apostle is writing to the followers of Christ living in Thessalonica and he's talking to them about the way they responded when they heard the word of God he says you, you accepted God's word that you heard from us you welcomed it for what it truly is instead of accepting it as a human message you accepted it as God's message and it continues to work in you Paul is saying when you guys heard us telling you about God the truth about God and the truth about life you knew that God was speaking to you and you took it as God's whisper, God's shout, God's word directly to you. When I was 23 years old is when I turned to Christ And, and Kim recently said this in a message. I started reading the Bible and the thing that I knew, call it intuition, I don't know what to call it to this day, but I knew that as I was reading the word of God, the Bible, I knew that I was being read. I knew I was encountering God. I was in the presence of God and I want to tell you my attitude was anything but cocky. Pause. I have met some people through the years, and if you're one of these folks, I'm pleading with you, rethink where you're at. But I've met people through the years that when they encounter God in Scripture, or don't even understand they're encountering God, when they handle Scripture, hear Scripture, respond to Scripture, they, they respond with a little bit of arrogance. They're, they're ready to challenge God. They're ready to challenge God's word. Sometimes they they are angry. They're, they're skeptical. They're combative. They're hostile. They hear God's word and they don't like what it says. And they're ready to tell God real quick that they don't approve of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, certain things that historically have gone on. But they have this hostile, cynical, skeptical, arrogant kind of an attitude toward God. God, okay, you prove yourself to me. If you're God, let, let me just see you. Why, why aren't you remedying this crime or that crime? You, you know, it's kind of this, this prove me sort of an attitude. Can I just say something? That person will never, ever hear from God. Ever. They can't. They have deafened themselves, spiritually speaking, with their arrogance, with their hostility, with their skepticism, with their cynicism. There is no way that a human being should ever be anything except humble in the presence of God I can't even control the next beat of my heart I can't control my next brainwave. I have broken God's laws before I knew what they were and after I am a fool I am an imbecile I don't know the future I don't know everything about everything The creator of the universe knows everything about everything, has never sinned, is the kindest, is the most compassionate, is the most righteous and good person in the universe. How dare I, as a a puny, dependent human being who doesn't even know a speck of all the knowledge in the universe, dare to be cynical, skeptical, hostile, aggressive, arrogant when God's word... And God is trying to communicate to me. So I'm going to tell you, if you're out there and you got one of those attitudes, you're arrogant, you're cocky, you're argumentative toward the Bible, suit yourself, my brother, my sister, but you'll never hear from God. And I hope that maybe today will cause you to at least rethink the silliness of such an attitude. You only cheat yourself. So these individuals, when they heard the Word of God, they took it serious. Age 23? I knew God was speaking, and it was a completely submissive attitude on my part. It was like, whatever you say, I knew. I didn't know what I was doing in life. I knew I needed forgiveness. I knew I needed direction. I knew I needed protection. And I was ready, like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant. Your servant hears. How did you... React when you were first introduced to God your response to God in those early stages and what is your attitude toward his word that will will greatly govern the quality of your life as well as your destiny to come so let's look at a couple other verses to talk about the importance of a correct attitude toward God and his word therefore with humility here it is again humility set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome, welcome the word planted deep inside you. The very word that is able to do what? Save you. God saves us by his word, but he says that that's wrong, that's destructive, that's gonna hurt you, that's sin, that's righteousness, that's good, that's gonna bless you, build you, develop you. That's how his word saves us, but we have to take it, how does it say? Humbly, and we have to welcome it deep within so that it becomes now the basis by which I view life and by which I make my decisions Isaiah adds to this picture about how God views our reaction to his word the Lord speaking he says didn't I make everything by my power that is how all things were created announces the Lord the people I value are not what there's no room for pride in God's presence by the way the Lord is the most humble person in the universe Look, look, look at Jesus this is God saying you want to know who I am here I am the most humble the most powerful is the most humble what, what an ironic thing the people I value they're not proud well who are the ones you value they are sorry for their wrong things they have done they have great respect for what that's God's word do we each of us individually we have great reverence great respect for God's word because we'll only encounter God through his word remember it said when we read in Samuel it says that the Lord came and stood but but Samuel couldn't see him and then it goes on to say later on it says that God continued to visit Samuel and reveal himself through his word God always reveals himself to us through his word I have to have the right attitude toward the word of God if I'm ever going to become the human being that I was meant to become and do the things I was meant to do James 4 just adds one more point about humility humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you let me kind of close with a statement about a little little attitudinal statement our attitude toward God will determine so what is my attitude toward God because our attitude toward God will determine the second part our ability to encounter God through his word sometimes we can't seem to understand the word of God because we just don't have the correct attitude if we don't come to God eager to hear from him if we don't come to God ready to apply what he says ready to obey what he says if we don't come with humble hearts we'll always be a little bit confused about God's will and God's word so our first introduction to god let's go on and take it to the second part and that's this let's think about our ongoing identification with the lord the lord reveals himself to samuel and then samuel becomes a spokesman for god a prophet Uh, a prophet is one that receives the truth about god from god and the truth about life but then that prophet goes and shares it proclaims it to other people one of the first things that samuel had to do and i'm going to tell you proclaiming the truth about God and the truth about life particularly in certain people in certain environments is not always comfortable maybe some of you have had the situation where you hear someone saying something they're in your circle of influence and you're you're hearing them say something you know is just not true at all it's not right it's going to be destructive it's not going to be good for them and you know that God has a very different point of view and and you're you're in this uncomfortable situation do I share what God says about this because I know this person doesn't want to hear it I know they're going to think I'm arrogant they're going to think I'm holier now do do I stay silent or do I speak Samuel's first assignment he has to go to Eli because Eli demands an answer Eli says what did the Lord say to you Samuel I know he said something what did he say so Samuel has to tell him well Eli you and your sons are going to be judged you have failed to be faithful in the role that he's called you to and there's going to be this battle with the Philistines and your sons are going to die and you are too it was a really uncomfortable first assignment God calls us to identify with him and identify with his word and to share what we know about God and his word and his will with others now I'm openly identified with God and that's uncomfortable and it often is something we tend to shy back from First Peter says something fascinating. This is written to those that have put their trust in Christ, become His followers. It says, "You're a, a chosen race, chosen of God. If you are a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession." Let, let's just stop here and take these in a little bit. A, a priesthood. You probably never thought of yourself as being a royal priesthood, but the Scripture says that God sees us. Well, what is a priest? A priest is a bridge between God and other human beings we we are those that help other people become introduced to God just kind of like Eli did with Samuel so all this is true of us but, but why does God call us chosen why does he call us a royal priesthood why does he call us his people for his own possession my people here's the key right here so that okay so that what 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 is it why is it God's calling me his possession. Why? So that you, if you're a Christian, if you put your trust in Christ and you're his follower, so that you, me, you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and the perfections of him, meaning Christ, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm just curious. How many of you have ever eaten at a good restaurant and you were so psyched up about it, you just couldn't wait to tell some friends? Can I see your hand? Okay. <laughs> when we have good news, we want to <laughs> tell somebody, right? God's saying, you're my people. You're my special people. You're my bridges between myself and the rest of humanity. And, and you know why I call you my special people? You're, you're like a whole holy race belonging to me because i I need people with credibility to let people know that I'm a good God, that I'm the key to the life they're seeking, that, that I'm trustworthy. That, that I know more about what makes for their happiness than they do, and I just need them to trust me. God waits, because you, you and I have credibility. We're people. We can say, look, I know. I've experienced it. I did it my way, and it, it just blew up again and again, and now I have done it His way, and my life is finding clarity. It's finding harmony. I'm, I'm becoming not just blessed with Him, but I'm becoming a blessing periodically to others. So he waits God calls us his people because he wants us to open these mouths of errors how many of you talk at, at least you say 100 words a day can I see your hands alright so we can clearly do this <laughs> but man it's hard isn't it when you get in the right environment around certain people right it's not everybody maybe some people we feel a little, a little less shy to proclaim to talk about God to speak the truth about God but then there's certain people we get around and we're like oh man i don 't know they 're going to think i 'm a weirdo you know that they might hurt my career advancement. They may turn people against me I, I may lose you know credibility or power or prestige, popularity, whatever it may be. So God calls us though to be those like Samuel, a prophet, a prophetic people that we 're going to go and share the truth about God because people don't know that God is good people don't know that everything they're looking for in life can only be supplied by Christ our creator and that apart from him our lives never cohere we never find our truest self nor do we find the destiny that in our heart of hearts we all want but only Christ can give let's look at another portion of scripture it says kind of the same thing in a slightly different way 2nd Corinthians 5:19. Paul writing to the followers of Christ in Corinth He said that God was reconciling the world himself in Christ, bringing people back. Reconciliation is when two people have had a fuss, a feud, they don't like each other anymore, they don't trust each other anymore, and now they're reconciled. Something has happened, and they trust each other again, they like each other again, they're walking together again, they're friends again. We broke trust with God in the Garden of Eden when Lucifer lied about the character of Satan and now Christ has revealed the true character of God by his sacrificial death on the cross proclaiming God's love for us yes he's the almighty God the creator he can do anything that he wants but his power is restrained and governed by his sacrificial love that's grounds to win back our trust and our loyalty and our allegiance says God was reconciling the world himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them this is really good news God is a forgiving God and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's what? ambassadors we all know what an ambassador is ambassador represents another country so we are ambassadors of heaven of the kingdom of God we are ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God hey i'm just curious i, I don't want to put him on the spot but have you ever you ever had an intense conversation with someone like that where at some point you 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 really were almost pleading with them come on man how much more do you got to take the the bumps and the bruises and the mistakes why don't you put your trust in christ your creator the one that knows you the one that loves you the the one that that is for you always why don't you have you ever pleaded with somebody to put their trust in christ and become his father because that that's what it says is, is is our identity you see we we respond to our identity we read earlier in first peter we're chosen possession we're royal priesthood we're bridges between others and god now here's god saying i'm an ambassador well i know what I, i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to talk about my kingdom to others if i were to say <laughs> if i were to say is there a nurse in the house can i okay well, how many are there any is there a nurse in the house can i see hands there is see see so her hand would go up but nobody else's hand would go up and and if i suddenly had a my heart attack me she would come running because she is a heart nurse or was a heart nurse i don't know sure where you work now um she would come running and try to do something for me maybe get those electrical paddles things we have that would zap me you know but the rest of you would say still why because it's not your identity now, if I were to say, hey, hey, is there an electrician in the house? Any, do we have any? Can I see hands? Electricians? Plumber? Is there a plumber in the house? <laughs> Plumber's an electrician. Well, I'm hiding, man. Somebody's going, <laughs> somebody's going to ask me to do something for free. <laughs> <laughs> is there a lawyer in the house? Nobody's going to admit to that one. <laughs> but you get my, my point. Our identity incentivizes us motivates us we take action god's saying this is who i I want you to be he says i don't have the credibility if god speaks directly to human beings it's kind of intimidating but if you and i speak to human beings we have credibility because we've got life experience apart from god and with god and so he says man i i I need you guys to to plead with people i love people i'm for them i've wanted them to be my family my children from all eternity way before we came into existence God saw us and meant for us to be his children and we know how we feel about our children we, we know what that love is like that's the kind of personal intense love God has for us but he needs us to be willing to venture out and prophetically share that truth with others we, we start to identify with God and the more we identify with God publicly in all of our various situations the more we take on our God-given identity we start saying, oh, this is who I am, man. I'm, I'm an ambassador. This is what I was meant to do. I was meant to speak the truth about God and life to people and, and watch the lights go on here and there. And it, it sort of starts to invigorate us in the process. Micah, Micah 6 says this, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God it's a pretty simple statement but it's pretty thorough and the idea of walking humbly with our God what was our introduction to the Lord like what was our attitude when his word first became real and personal to us how did we respond to it how do we respond to it and were we willing like Samuel to then identify with God Samuel was given the role to go out and to proclaim to his generation the truth about God and the truth about life as God revealed it to him and sometimes that news was not welcome you and I are called to do the same walking with God means we're going to be participants with God in what he's doing on this earth let me close with a few statements our identification with God develops our God intended identity meaning this The more you and I publicly let people know, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, yes, I live by the Word of God, it it governs my life. The more we let that truth be communicated, The more it forms us, the more it shapes us, the the more we start to find our real identity. You know, we start to find that that God's given us certain experiences in life and he's given us certain gifts in life and certain talents and certain life learnings. And we start to find our niche, as it were, for maximum effectiveness as human beings and maximum development in our progression toward Christ-like maturity. Let me close again with this our attitude toward God will determine our ability to encounter God through his word remember that's where we started my attitude toward the word of God will determine my ability to hear God is what I'm really trying to say there and then we've said our identification with God develops as our God intended identity does now we're a mixed bunch in here every Sunday it could be that there's somebody in here you have been affiliated in your mind with God, with Christ, with church for a major part of your life but just like Samuel just because you're affiliated just because you believe certain truths about God it doesn't mean that you trust in Christ it doesn't mean that you are really actually following Him His will, His ways, His word and so maybe this is your wake up call that that God's whispered your name twice today maybe He's saying Sally, Sally or Billy, Billy or whatever the name might be And he's trying to get your attention that even though Samuel was living close in proximity to God, he was not yet connected to the Lord. And maybe this is your day, and it's going to take some real humility because you're kind of maybe even feeling a little embarrassed. Man, I've been around this stuff, and I've known this stuff all my life. That doesn't mean that you have authentically trusted in Christ and become his follower. So maybe this is the day that God is saying, come on, come on, trust me. Let's let's get into action. I I, I want to introduce myself to you personally, and I want you to identify with me for the rest of your days. Others of us perhaps the Lord is saying, you know, you've got to change your attitude toward my word, or I'm not gonna be able to guide you. I'm not gonna be able to lead you. I'm not gonna be able to correct you. I'm not gonna be able to protect you. I'm not gonna be able to provide for you the things that I want you to have. I, I really need a different attitude. He's not scaring us. He's not trying to uh, be harsh. He's simply saying it's reality. I remember working years ago. I was a union carpenter for 17 years. I worked with this old man named Mr. Beecham one time, and they put this apprentice boy with Mr. Beecham. Mr. Beecham was an old, grouchy old man, mean as a snake, really. They put this apprentice boy with Mr. Beecham, and the apprentice boy was arrogant as a peacock, about 19, 20 years old. But no matter what Mr. Beecham told him, he wouldn't pay attention. So Beecham grabbed his kid and he marched him back up to the foreman. He says, here, he says, take him back. He says, I don't want to work with him. He says, I can't teach him anything. He already knows everything. <laughs> now, here's the point. If God sees that you and I are not teachable, he's not going to try. I don't care how old we are. I don't care where we're at in life. We are always Critically in need of God to direct us, to correct us, to teach us, to guide us. So maybe he's speaking to some of us today afresh and saying, come on gang, soften up your hearts toward me. Get serious about my word. Don't cordon off areas of your life and say, this area I always am going to handle this way because we're just depriving ourselves, hurting ourselves and probably hurting others too. And then maybe he's calling all of us this day saying, Do you know who you are? Do you know what I've entrusted for you to do? Do you know that if you open that mouth of yours, if you start talking to people about the differences that god is making in your life if you just take the risk of doing that of identifying with me publicly to someone somewhere there might be someone there might be a bunch of skeptics all around your place of business or whatever or your neighborhood but there might be one person the one that seems furthest away i used to work when i did construction work i worked with two of the worst men ever alive they used to i'm telling you i, I rode up and down the road with them three years they used to beat people up on the jobs one of the guys beat the foreman up on the job Long story short, they seem the furthest away from God. Anybody that I had ever been around, they've been both Christians now for well over 30 years. You just got to be willing. You just got to be willing to identify yourself with Christ openly all the time, everywhere, every part of your life. That's enough, man. I think it's time to pray, don't you? I think it is. Father, you, you see us. You've encouraged us to hear you and we just pray that your spirit will now just give us courage give us give us perspective as well to see the specific areas you would love us to adjust that you can just work your will in and through our lives and make yourself known to others thank you for this unspeakable privilege it's in Christ's name we pray amen